It's great to be here amongst you this morning and to be sharing in worship with you. Greetings from Haywards Heath and from Burgess Hill, uh, United Reformed Churches. And uh, I was due to be at Haywards Heath this morning and uh, we've done a swap. So uh, Alex, Alex Jeffs is at Haywards Heath this morning. So remember him in your prayers as he takes that service. What a wonderful part of the scriptures Romans chapter 5 is, isn't it? Paul has presented to the Roman Christians whom he has never met the great truth of justification by faith. He's shown them and us that since all have sinned, then all have need of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we accept Jesus' death and resurrection by faith, then God will declare us righteous with all the continuing blessings and promises that flow from that. A few of those blessings are revealed in this reading in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 verses 1 to 11 looks in three directions. The first part of verse 1 looks at the past. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, for the Christian, this turns us back to that moment when we were justified by faith. When we made that decision to follow Jesus Christ in our lives. Now that day may be imprinted on our hearts, on our lives, as a particular point in time. Sometimes it's over a number of years we've come to that knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted him into our lives. We're justified by faith. The second half of verse 1 focuses on the present. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins to reveal some of the benefits that we as Christians currently have because we're saved. And then sometime later in verse 9 we discover the future blessings of a believer's salvation. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Again, in Romans 5, verses 1 to 11, it presents us with three benefits. First of all, peace. A justified sinner, in verse 1, is no longer under God's wrath, but is at peace with their creator. Secondly, grace, verse 2 through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Those who have become children of God are in a brand new relationship with him and enjoy a whole new life of liberty. Not to do anything and everything, but to live for Jesus Christ, becoming more and more like him in our lives. And the blessings of peace and grace lead to the third benefit of joy. And we rejoice 
in the hope of the glory of God. Under God's grace, peace and joy are twin blessings of the gospel. As a Scottish preacher put it, peace is joy resting. Joy is peace dancing. And so we rejoice in the hope of God, even when things are difficult, as they were for Paul. He says we are to rejoice in our sufferings because of that hope and because of those, those sufferings will help us to grow in faith and confidence. And verse 5 says, and hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. We tend to say, I hope it's going to be a nice day today, don't we? Perhaps you're going out for the day or the washing's on the line. You hope you're going to be able to do those things you want to do because the weather is fine. However, there will be disappointments, as we know. Our weather is unpredictable. We might say that we hope that England wins the World Cup this year. But that hope is only there until we know the outcome of the tournament, good or bad. England fans with high hopes may be disappointed. It's great when hopes are fulfilled, isn't it? There's a sense of achievement, a sense of satisfaction, but sometimes in life, hopes can be dashed and leave us feeling helpless and bewildered. As some of you know, I spent some, time, some two and a half years on the community at Lee Abbey in North Devon, a community uh, that runs a conference and holiday center, a Christian community together. And one of the house parties, a young lady came to join us for the week. She seemed fine. But halfway through the week, she had some news. She had some news that she had failed for the second time her law exams. And for her at that time, that meant that was it. Her hopes of a career in law were dashed. And it sent her into a spin. She was angry. That night, there was a challenge. As every week at Lee Abbey, there is some kind of a challenge to put their put faith in Jesus. The person preaching called people to the chapel if they wanted prayer they wanted to accept the Lord Jesus into their life, if they wanted prayer for anything. She went into the chapel. She actually stormed into the chapel. She was so angry. Angry with God. Angry with herself. I wasn't there at the time, but I heard later that she was sent away by the chaplain to put down on paper the anger that she felt. She wrote it down. She went back into the chapel an hour later and the chaplain took 
the piece of paper and set a match to it and burnt it. The next morning, we realized something had happened. She was a totally different person. She had hope in God. She was truly different. When we look at the word hope in the Bible, there's often a tendency to think of it in a similar way as we may experience hope in our daily lives. We may or may not be disappointed. We may or may not be let down. However, the meaning of the word hope in the Bible is different. It's the Greek word elpis, and it means favorable and confident expectation. Favorable and confident expectation. There's a certainty about biblical hope which inspires confidence. There is no disappointment or shadow of doubt about this hope. This is the kind of hope that many people need in their lives because they have had many disappointments and expectations have been dashed. Children make a trip to the cinema to see a film, but the cinema is full for that particular film. There's nothing else suitable, and another treat is not quite the same. A small disappointment, yes. But others experience greater, even to the point of losing hope altogether. A couple of friends of ours lost hope. What they built up, worked hard for, spent a lot of time and energy on, fell apart. Many people face this loss of hope when they're unemployed, become redundant from work, suffer illness or financial hardship. I'm sure we all know someone who has experienced this loss of hope. Maybe you have. One of our friends who lost hope began to think about God for a while. And we pray that hope in God may become the way forward for her in the future. Betsy Ten Boom, sister of Corrie Ten Boom, writing from Ravensbrück concentration camp where she died, said this, There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. God's hope does not disappoint us. Back to the beginning of this chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This hope comes from remembering all that God has done for us through the cross and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter writes in his first letter, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. That is an eternal hope that will not disappoint those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not only a hope for tomorrow, but God also offers hope for today to give us courage for our daily living. For example, there is hope in his promise to guide us in life when we ask for his help. His guidance may not come immediately, but it will surely come. Not necessarily in a big revelation, but very often simply an inner urging or sense of rightness about something. If you and I look back on our lives, both the good times and the bad, we can often see a pattern involved which, as a Christian, shows a clear sense of God's purpose and plan. Another example is that God gives hope in times of weakness. Isaiah writes, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hope comes from the depths of despair sometimes. John Drain, a a clergyman and writer, visited the town of Dunblane shortly after gunmen walked into a primary school and shot dead 16 young children and their teacher in March 1996. He wrote in the Bible Society magazine Word in Action soon after, I made my way to the school gates, which had become a center of devotion, transformed by the flowers and other offerings placed there by local people and strangers alike. The street was deserted apart from a handful of police officers and a gang of youths aged about 17 to 20. As I watched, they took from their pockets 16 nightlight candles, one for each dead child, and kneeling on the damp pavement arranged them in a circle and lit them using glowing cigarettes. They stood around the candles for a moment, and then one of them broke the silence. I suppose somebody should say something. As they wondered how to do it, one of them spotted me, identified me as a minister, and called me over with the words, you'll know what to say. The reality was quite different. As I stood there, tears streaming down my face, I had no idea what to say and how to say it. So we stood, holding on to one another for a moment. Then I said a brief prayer. That was the catalyst that enabled them to start praying. A question came first. What kind of world is this? Another asked, is there any hope? Someone said, I wish I could trust God. 
I'll need to change, said a fourth one, glancing over his shoulder at the police who were on duty. He reached into his pocket and I saw that he had a knife. He knelt again by the ring of candles and quietly said, I'll not be needing it anymore. As he tucked the weapon under some flowers lying nearby, one of the other youths produced what looked like a piece of bicycle chain and did the same. We stood silently for a moment and then we went our separate ways. There is hope in God. We have hope in God's companionship with us. We can trust him knowing that he will be with us at all times and in all situations. Many people feel lonely and anchorless in life. God's friendship removes that feeling because he's always there. God offers hope in daily life through his provision. For Paul writes to the Philippian church, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And in Isaiah 61, God says, he will bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. What a generous-hearted God we have. He gives us beauty for ashes, perhaps renewed hope out of the ashes of disappointment and failure. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, perhaps comfort in our trials, or joy after a period of sadness. Maybe we've been strengthened like Paul by the hardships of life. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Perhaps the lifting of our spirits to encourage us to look upwards and outwards rather than inwards and downwards. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So we rejoice in the hope God has given us through Jesus Christ. This hope rests in the assurance that through it all, God is transforming us into his, the image of his son. And this gives us the encouragement to carry on, to keep on going.